Hi, hello, and welcome back to the 1983 National Football League draft. And with the first round, John Elway. Jim welcome Kelly. in, everybody, to Trickle Down and Theories with, with round, your host, Dave Eric Trickle. NFL draft. And with the first round, pick. Deion Sanders. I was kind of scared. I thought the trouble was going to take me. I would have asked for so much money that I had to put me on layaway. Welcome back to the NFL draft. Good young players with the drafts all about. Here in and you're out. Welcome back to the draft. Wide receivers, running back, tackle, quarterback. Every year in the draft, there has been a trade. Ricky Williams. John Dolphin. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Trickle Down Theories Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Trickle. On Trickle Down Theories, we talk about all things NFL, draft, and we have a small focus on the Denver Broncos, as I am an analyst with MyLiHuddle.com. And we talk about all things from signings, trades, rosters, team needs, and anything and everything you can think of. I don't have anybody here to join me. It's just going to be me talking to you today. I'm going to be going over the Denver Broncos draft class from this year and the undrafted rookies. As a senior draft analyst at MyLightHuddle.com, I've broken down all these players the last few days, and I am excited for the crop, of, the crop of guys that the Broncos brought in, both in the draft and in as undrafted free agents. And I'm, I'm so glad to finally be back and recording. I've been away for a couple of weeks as I've been working on moving into a new place and all this other stuff. And as of course, the NFL draft took so much time and I just didn't have time to record and edit. But I'm so glad that I am finally back and I'm finally here to be recording and be talking about the Denver Broncos, which I absolutely love to do. I can go on and on and on talking about the Denver Broncos. Well, with that said, let's get into it and to start talking about these Nice crop of rookies the Broncos brought in. And the end of the day, at the end of the day, they ended up having ten draft picks. They traded down twice and picked up an extra pick. They so they instead of eight in the first five rounds, they had ten overall seven, and they basically get got rid of a fifth round pick completely and picked up two sixths. And to kick it off is Bradley Chubb in the first round with the fifth pick overall. Denver never expected him to be there. Nobody that I spoke, have spoken with expected him to be there. Everyone thought that he was going to be gone at number four to the Cleveland Browns. And it was when they called Denzel Ward, it was a bit of a shock at first. But, you know, I knew the Browns liked Denzel Ward a lot and that he fit a bigger need of theirs. But all the thing was that if they stayed put at four, it was Bradley Chubb, that they didn't want to pass up on Bradley Chubb. And, well, that was wrong. They passed up on Bradley Chubb and they took Denzel Ward, a corner who – it feels a little bit bigger of the need of theirs with Bradley Chubb. They would have been getting another pass rusher opposite miles Garrett. And even though they have Emmanuel Ogba and uh, a couple other guys that w- they've invested a pretty high pick on. So he fell into Denver's lap. Denver didn't end up getting a quarterback like they'd hoped. They did try to move up and going back a couple months, they tried moving up anyways for trying to get Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold. After Baker Mayfield went number one, they were trying to get to number two. They wanted Sam Darnold. They wanted Sam Darnold badly, and it, it just didn't come to happen. A few things that they actually planned on happening or wanted to happen just didn't end up panning out that way for the Broncos. But on the flip side, Bradley Chubb ended up being there. They absolutely loved this pick. He was their top defensive player in the draft, and he was tied for their number one overall defensive player, according to the people in charge. He was up there with Saquon Barkley. He's going to come in and he's going to be starting up. Well, the plan is to have him starting next to Von Miller on the opposite of him instead of Shane Ray. He's going to be taking that rush linebacker spot and attacking the, getting after the quarterback and helping take off some pressure off of Von Miller. The Broncos had a bigger need for a rush linebacker than some people realized because 
with Shane Ray, his status up in the air. And now that we know that his fifth-year option has been declined, and then Shaq Barrett, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent after this year. Denver just, they needed to look ahead, and they needed to go get a pass rusher for them now. And Bradley Chubb brings that. And he is a really good run defender as well. He lacks a lot of the consistencies that you want. He can get washed out of the play a little bit, and he's just got to get a little bit stronger at times when he's setting the edge, but he understands the basics of the technique and all that. And he should immediately upgrade the Broncos defense. I mean, he's a better pass rusher, I would say than Shane Ray was coming out and he's a much better run defender than Shane Ray was coming out. And already from where he's at, even though he hasn't taken a snap in the NFL, just as a pure prospect standpoint, Bradley Chubb offers more in run defense than Shane Ray has ever shown since he came to the NFL anyways. And now that Denver's, declined Shane Ray's fifth year option, which is a smart business move for the Denver Broncos. They are going to be letting Shane Ray and Shaq Barrett compete because they are looking to keep one of them. They tried moving one of them during the NFL draft and just couldn't get any compensation that was worth it in their eyes. So they ended up passing on. They're sticking around. They're going to let these guys compete. And I know there's a lot of people that are worried because Bradley Chubb is going to be working with the linebacker, with the outside linebacker group with Shane Ray and Shaq Barrett, but they're going to be getting coached by Frank Herring and Bill Culler, whereas Von Miller is just working with Bill Culler and the defensive line unit. This is, I think this is a brilliant idea because Bill Culler, he's going to be working mostly on them with their technique at getting after the quarterback and just applying the pressure needed. And Frank Herring is going to be working with them for those few times that they're going to have to drop back into coverage on those simple flat zones and, those kind of things. And then he's also going to be working with them at attacking the gaps against the run and the overall run technique, which Bill Collar also can help with as well. So I think it's brilliant. They're going to be splitting up the coaching duties. They they've tried to bring in a couple different guys to it to do the job. They're just going to get anybody done. Um, DeMarcus Ware was one guy that they had a lot of interest in, but he's liking his TV gig that he's got going on. And there was just a scheduling conflict that they weren't able to figure it out there has been still talks of him coming in and consulting on occasion when he has the time so we'll see what happens there with the broncos second round pick they ended up picking up a wide receiver from smu in Cortland sutton big body i think it's like 6'4 220 pounds something like that and he is basically on paper the future replacement of demarius thomas thomas after this year he's got 17 million dollars on the cap for him after this year that is a lot of money for a guy who's going to be 31 and you just you can't unless he it's it's hard to imagine him sticking around on the roster with that kind of cap it unless he only ways he's got to take do something to either an extension or something to lower that cap it as i mean it might be more likely if Cortland sutton doesn't meet expectations this year or has a rough rookie year or something throw the keep thomas around as kind of a veteran insurance piece but Cortland Sutton, on paper, he's the guy to replace Demarius Thomas after this year and free up that, free up fourteen million because Denver can cut him, freeing up fourteen million and taking only like three million in dead cap, which would end up raising their total money to like over forty million in cap space before the annual raise and before cap carryover. So Denver's looking in a pretty good spot financially next year. He does have some issues with his route running. Cortland Sutton does. And he's going to have to sit there and work on that. And he's already been putting in work this offseason. He's been working with Emmanuel Sanders on his route running a little bit. So we've got to see what's going to happen 
there and if he can continue to develop that. But he's a strong receiver. He's really good at getting those jump balls. And he's going to be an immediate red zone threat, which Denver needs. I would expect him to kind of be that number three receiver, but he's not going to be playing the slot. What will happen is when he comes in onto the field, then Emmanuel Sanders will be moving over into the slot. And that is if they have Demarius Thomas on the field as well. If not, then it'll probably be a combination of Corlin Sutton and Emmanuel Sanders on the outside and Deshaun Hamilton, who we'll talk about in a little bit, on the inside at the slot. Now, the Broncos, they had two third-round picks. The first one they spent on running back Royce Freeman. Initially, I was really hesitant with this, and part of me still is, but the reason why I don't like this pick as much as the rest is because there was so much value on the running back board at this point that that it, it just seemed a little bit early. I thought they could have waited a little bit more and pick up better value later. But Royce Freeman, he fits into the Broncos running back by committee that they plan on using very well he's got he's got some elusiveness to him he's got some power he's got some decent speed he's got some good hands and he's puts in the effort as a blocker what he compliments Devonte booker and d'angelo henderson and what they bring to the field a lot as well so it's a nice fit into that system and hopefully he ends up doing well the one thing about this broncos draft class is that they focused on mature players with leadership skills and that's what all these guys bring. I think most of them were in, ended up being team captains. And so it was something they focused on. Royce Freeman has that. And there are some injury concerns with him. And uh, he has been playing about 230 pounds. But two years ago, he was a little bit better when he was about 220. So maybe Denver ends up asking him to lose weight. And he gets more of that quickness and burst back that he's kind of been missing the last two years. So we'll see what happens there. And with the second third round pick, this was my favorite pick because I absolutely love him. Isaac Yitam. Uh, Boston College corner. This is a guy I had an early second round grade on. He is a he's a jack of all trades, master of none type. He is really good at playing press. He can play off. He can play zone. He can play man. He's got the ability to do it all. His biggest issue, though, is that he is a little bit not hesitant or slow, but he's a little bit awkward when he's trying to mirror quicker, faster receivers who can make cuts a lot quicker than he can. And he's got to hang with them. That is a little bit of an issue with him that he's got to work on. And then as well as he's a very willing run defender, but if he gets blocked on, he he tends to get blocked out of the play. So that's something that he's just going to have to work on. And going to Denver is the best place. This is a area. This is a team that they really pride themselves on their ability to come up and defend the run and their willingness to take on to beat the blocks and make the play behind the line of scrimmage. I have no doubts that he'll be able to pick up the proper technique to shed those blocks and be able to make the play. And the last thing with Isaac Yidem is that he is such a willing, so willing on special teams. I've never seen anybody so willing to play special teams as Isaac Yidem is. I think this is great. He can be a gunner on punt returns. He can be a cover guy on kick returns. He can do whatever you want, whatever's needed. He brings the physicality. He brings the smarts. He brings the leadership. Everything that you want wrapped into one uh, as a special teams player. And I would not be surprised at all if he becomes a special teams ace and the number three corner on defense in his rookie year. And it's kind of like the similar situation with Cortland Sutton. When Isaac Yidem takes the field, then Bradley Roby or Chris Harris is going to take the slot and he'll be the other boundary corner Yidem will be. So that's just kind of the plan there. To kick off day three of the draft, they ended up taking Josie Jewell, the linebacker from Iowa. He is super unathletic. When Denver brought him in, I actually got a text message from a source saying that he's super unathletic. And I asked him, I was like, well, did you actually think he was athletic? And the guy responded with, no, he's even less athletic than we even thought. So that is a big concern because the NFL is going to a more athletic 
game, but he's so smart. He's so instinctive. And that is what carries his game. And that is what he uses to make up for his lack of athleticism and lack of speed. He isn't just a two down thumper. He can contribute and pass coverage as well. He was targeted like 55 times and didn't allow a single touchdown this last year. He broke up like seven passes, which was the most among second most or something like that among inside linebackers in this year's draft. So he's, he, he knows how to cover and he knows how to make up for his lack of athleticism with the other things that he does have to bring to the table. And their other fourth round pick was Deshaun Hamilton, the receiver from Penn state, who was in my opinion, the second best route runner in this class. So he's going to come in and he's going to be the potential replacement for Emmanuel Sanders in as that second receiver. Although Deshaun Hamilton might be a little bit more better suited in the slot where he can use his quickness and route running to take advantage and create mismatches. A lot of it depends on what happens with Carlos Henderson. And if he's able to develop this third year, like he put, like he should, that is a big key with this receiver core is what's up with Carlos Henderson, but Deshaun Hamilton, he was a really good pick in a deep wide receiver class that he managed to fall a little bit. I think if this was a little bit weaker, he probably would have gone in the third or third round, maybe the late second, even his route running is just so good and carries him so much in the fifth round. They ended up taking, they ended up taking Troy from the tight end from Wisconsin. He is missing an index finger, but that doesn't stop him. He's a decent athlete. He's nothing exceptional, and he's a decent receiver. He's a decent blocker. Everything is just really decent of his, and he should complement Jake Butt very well as that number two tight end and help bring some more firepower to the Broncos' passing game. And then with the sixth round pick, they made two selections. Uh, Sam Jones, a offensive lineman that is a Colorado native, and then Kayshawn Barrera, a line, another linebacker, from Washington, Sam Jones, he needs to spend a year on practice squad, in my opinion. He lacks the strength to really fit into this scheme. He's a good athlete, and but he, he needs to improve his functional strength and his core strength. This is something that's going to have to happen before he is able to really take the next step and be the player that Denver may have had in mind when they selected him. And then with Keishon Barrera, if you want to talk about another linebacker who is kind of a little bit of a limited athlete that can make plays because of the instincts and the smarts. And that's Barrera for you. He's going to come in and contribute right away on special teams, basically replacing what Corey Nelson brought to the special teams of the Broncos. So we'll see We'll see if he's able to make an impact on defense. He'll definitely be competing with Zara Anderson for the number four spot at the inside linebacker core. And special teams is such a key area that I think that Barrera ends up beating Zaire Anderson out there. And with the final pick of the draft, the Denver Broncos went running back again. They doubled up on, of of their 10 picks, they doubled up on the same position three times. So six picks of the same position. They doubled up on wide receiver. They doubled up on linebacker. And with the last pick, they doubled up on running back with David Williams from Arkansas. David Williams is another guy who is a little bit bigger. He runs with decent power. He's got decent elusiveness. He's got decent quickness, good hands. And he's going to be part of this running back by committee. I would not be surprised if he has a decent sized role. I'm not talking about a huge role. I'm thinking like maybe five touches a game or something like that. Around the same amount as D'Angelo Henderson's getting. Something to have his impact felt by the Broncos offense and because he brings a lot to it. And I think that he was very underrated when I finally got around to watching him, which wasn't until after the draft just this last weekend that I actually was amazed that he didn't go a little bit higher. But then I remember that this is a deep class and the running backs are so devalued that it's understandable as to why he went later. 
but I do think that he is able to come in and contribute, and I wouldn't be surprised if he makes an impact on special teams as well. So that wraps up the draft class of the Denver Broncos. They also made an, made some really good key signings in their free agent group. Not A lot of these guys aren't going to make a big impact. John Diars, the wide receiver from Texas Christian, and Jimmy Williams, the wide receiver from East Carolina, they've got a really big uphill battle. Um, if you guys haven't read it yet, I do have a piece up on mylahuddle.com that talks about these guys' odds to make the roster. So I'm not going to talk about them too much, but these are two receivers. They have an uphill battle, but they offer, they offer some enticing things that could, that can win them a spot on this roster. I like what they bring and I like what the, they could bring on offense. We'll see what happens. I think they both end up competing for a practice squad spot though. And then the two offensive linemen they brought in Austin Schlotman from Texas TCU. And then, Leon Johnson, the tackle from Temple. Versatile lineman. We have a guard center and we have a tackle guard. Denver prides themselves in the versatility of their offensive linemen. These guys who can play multiple spots. And Denver looks decently deep at tackle and guard. But we got to see how they compete. Obviously, it's way too early to tell. I think in the end, Denver keeps nine offensive linemen. And you obviously have your starting five. You have Garrett Bowles. You have Ron Leary, Matt Paradis, Connor McGovern, and Jared Valdir. And then so you've got looking at four behind them. And you've got Menelik Watson, who's basically guaranteed a spot unless Denver can manage to trade him. You've got J.J. Dialman, who is a guy who can play tackle or guard. You've got Max Garcia, who may not stick around this year. You've got Billy Turner, who Denver really liked last year before he got hurt, playing on that right side, tackle and guard. So there's definitely an uphill battle. They have Elijah Wilkerson as well and Andreas Knapp. They have, the, they have a bunch of people that are going to be competing to fill out the depth on the 53-man roster. Then Trey Marshall, the defensive back from Florida State, he's a guy who is going to be competing with Jamal Carter and DeMonte Thomas. Now, Jamal Carter is a big has a big fan base in Denver of fans who think he's really good. But last year when they took the field, DeMonte Thomas was a little bit better than Jamal Carter. So Trey Marshall, he's kind of like the like Schlotman and Johnson. He's got an uphill battle. There's guys there, but Denver is still looking to settle the depth there. In the end, they only take five guys. And when you look at Darian Stewart, You've got Justin Simmons, Will Parks, and Sua Cravens. That leaves one spot unless they manage to trade Darian Stewart, which I don't think they do. So, again, Trey Marshall, he's got an uphill battle. And I'm really intrigued by what he does bring. He's going to be – he is that hybrid guy who can who should line up in the box and mainly to defend the run and can offer some decent coverage ability against tight ends and running backs. Now, this guy is a guy who should probably should have been a day three pick if he didn't get, deal with injuries, if he showed more effort, more desire, Lawalatulele, that has been the biggest question for him. He is the younger brother of Star Lawalatulele, the new Buffalo Bills defensive tackle. Denver likes their Utah players. They have six of them on, on roster right now. It's the altitude that's something they look for. The key is, will they be able to unlock Lawalatulele's effort and desire and make him play with a consistent level? That remains to be seen. That it only thing that will keep him from making this roster is himself because Kyle Pecco has been that constant number 53 guy for the Broncos. So I don't know. I just can't see him really being guaranteeing a spot, especially if Latulele is able to show up. The two guys who I think have the best shot are Jeff Holland, an outside linebacker from Auburn, who I am absolutely stunned that he went undrafted. He was a guy who I think should have been gone day two at the latest. I have no idea why he went undrafted. As Denver looks to fill out their pass rushing depth, this is a guy that 
could turn some heads and as and potentially make it even more make Denver's front office more comfortable in moving on from Shane Ray or Shaq Barrett. And then Philip Lindsay, his main competition to make the roster, I think, is on special teams. If he is able to field kicks and punts cleanly, I think he is easily able to beat out Isaiah McKenzie, who has, has struggled to that. Granted, how far you're able to return it is a big thing, and I or is a big deal. And Philip Lindsay is plenty explosive to be able to make those big returns, as is Isaiah McKenzie. But the issue is, is again, Isaiah McKenzie just can't get field the punts and kicks cleanly. That is your first step that you've got to do before you're able to take it to the next level. You've got to field it cleanly. Oh, guys, I've been going on for a while. I'm starting to run out of breath. But before I say my parting comments and all this stuff, I just want to remind you listeners to please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. Don't forget to share us around on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today if, without you listeners. So as a call to action, please go and take the time, go to iTunes or Spreaker to rate and subscribe and let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. This is so much appreciated as you guys are the ones who enable us to do something that we love to do. So please help spread us around. Now, for a parting comment, I'm going to talk briefly about Shane Ray. I mentioned him earlier. He had his fifth-year option declined, and this was the smartest move for the Denver Broncos from a business standpoint. Had he got hurt this year and he was unable to pass a physical, his contract would guarantee for $9 million. At this point, Denver is going to be letting him is letting him see how he's going to be able to do this year if he's able to stay healthy. They then can tag him. They can transition tag him. They can non-exclusive franchise tag him, or they can just flat-out franchise tag him. And they can try to trade him from that point without allowing him to just hit the open market if they so choose to do that. If they do do that they can and are unable to trade him, they can then resend the tag and just let him walk. But at the same time, if he ends up showing out and end up earning that franchise tag, well, that's still an option. This protects them from all aspects. And even if he does walk, they would be in position for a compensatory pick in 2020. Anyways, everyone, that is going to wrap up this episode of Trickle Down Theories. Please leave a like and subscribe. Follow me on Twitter, at Eric Trickle. You can always reach me on there with any kind of question, and I am more than willing to respond. We love the interaction with all you fans, listeners, and readers of our content. Without your support, we wouldn't be where we are without you, so we thank you for that. And please follow Mile High Huddle for all of our written work, milehighhuddle.com, and the Huddle Up Pod for all the podcasts that come out the building the Broncos that comes out and all these ones that focus specifically on the Denver Broncos and make sure you keep an ear out because I am also doing periscopes on a semi-regular basis. Normally I tend to aim for Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays. And that is when I take a lot of Q and A's and, or take a lot of questions and do a Q and a session. So that is something that you can keep an ear out for and join in and have your question be answered. I had a great time sitting here talking, even though my throat is a little bit sore. And I just want to say thank you all for listening to Trickle Down Theories, and please have a wonderful day. Mile High Huddle.